How's everybody doing? Good morning. Glad to be here. Glad that you are here. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. I have just a simple message for you this morning. I hope it's okay. It's what the Lord uh, impressed upon me. I'll admit it was one of those, and I I may say it too much. I'm sorry, but it was one of those where the Lord just kept bringing me to it, and I was like, God, I don't want to preach this. This is... This is maybe too simple to, I, I, I want to have something deep and revelatory. And the Lord said, no, this is what needs to happen. So, you know, if you don't like it, it's his fault. I'm just kidding. But um, I, I'm just joking. But I'll, a lot of people love to go to Psalm 23. You probably, most of you sitting here can almost quote that one verbatim. But uh, I want to go one before that and look at what David wrote in Psalm 22. And I think in looking at this, I think we're going to encounter an important truth. It's not necessarily a popular truth, but it's an important truth that we all need to have and know in our spiritual, in our daily lives. Um, before I get into it, this psalm is, is actually a prophetic psalm. It's very neat. When we start to read it, you're going to say, hey, that sounds familiar. Well, that's because David as he did many of his psalms, was writing out of the abundance of his heart, meaning what he was going through. Everybody understand that? David was like any great writer, and I, I, I teach literature and writers. You study any great poet, you're going to find somebody that's messed up. I mean, now I'm not talking about just, I'm talking about somebody messed up. I mean, my favorite, not to get too far in the weeds, but I'll give one of my favorite writers ever, American authors, was Edgar Allan Poe. Man, you just read his stuff. I just, the way that he, it was so vivid, so different, so interesting, a little dark. And then the reason you wonder, well, how did he go to this place? Because he was messed up. Not, I mean, he needed the Lord. He was messed up. He got into dark places. He, he, he had everybody around him died of tuberculosis. He went through great trial and tribulation and that led him to dark places. And out of those dark places, the way that he coped with it was he wrote. Well, David, maybe not all the way so, but David in his life, if you study his life, went to some dark places. And in David's dark places, he also responded by writing. All of this great music and art that came out of him, all of these hundreds of psalms that we love, and, and a lot of people, you know, you're probably one of those, you talk about favorite books, I just love the psalms. Well, a lot of people think about the happy psalms and the celebratory psalms, but do you realize a lot of those psalms aren't that happy and celebratory all the time? Because again, these writers are like you and I, and, and maybe I, could, I should just say like me, maybe you're not here yet, but... I wish I could sit here and tell you, and and again, we're going to go somewhere. This isn't going to be depressing. I already kind of sense an atmosphere shift. We're not getting into anything depressing, but I need you to be honest. My life isn't all bubble gum and rainbows. And I would dare say, if we were to be honest, neither are yours. We are going to endure and go through some things. And David had to go through some things, but in the midst of him going through things, he began to express himself to the Lord. In this particular psalm, he begins to express, but what he doesn't realize is what he is pouring out of himself in the midst of his heartache was setting the stage and predicting and prophesying what was to come, which was the Messiah, Jesus. We just praised him. How many are thankful for Jesus? So David begins right here, first verse, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of you are saying, this isn't Easter. Why are we reading that verse? 
Because most of you remember, these were the very words that Jesus said when He was hanging on the cross with nails stuck through His hands and nails through His feet and, and blood pouring from every edifice of His body and Him struggling to breathe as He hung for hours on the cross, eventually every gasp of air leaving Him, hung, hanging there until He suffocated. Yes, it was a horrible and horrific death. And in that moment, as He was going through the worst pain and torture of His life, Jesus is reaching out to His Father saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me here? David, in the middle of the hardship of his life, had no idea that his very pain was foretelling the pain that would come to Jesus, but it would be that pain that would give us the deliverance and save us to where we are today. Is anybody with me? I'm getting too excited too early. I'm sorry. Let me get into it. But it begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Can we be honest for just a moment? Again, it's just Pastor Bradley here today. You can be honest. Is that okay? We can kind of lay down the facades. How many of you have found yourself in groaning because of some of the turmoil you were facing in this world? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you found yourself there. I found myself there. Oh God, what am I going to do? I wish I could be all spiritual and say, no, I've never gotten to that place. I've gotten to that place. There have been times when I look at the bank account and I'm like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's been times when the principal or the teachers call and I say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are these kids acting that way? I've gone to my job and bosses coming up with policies that don't make sense I'm like my God my God why have you forsaken me I've come to church never mind <laughs> no seriously let me be real I've come to church and I've cried out to God and I did everything I thought you were supposed to I lifted my hands and held them up for 47 minutes to the fact that I thought that my shoulders were literally going to fall and quit working I came and I laid on the ground and cried and snotted all in the carpet and left stains thinking that was what I was supposed to do and there's times you need to do that don't get me wrong I've come and let everybody pour all over my head and slap my head and do everything that we're usually doing and still I felt nothing my God my God why have you forsaken me I watch the news and I look at this world and I think about where we once were and I, I sound like the people did. I just thought they were old and they were senile. But now as I'm getting older and maybe more senile, I don't know. I watch the news and I think about the way things were and I'm at the point where I'm at the age where I can remember how things were and I wonder, my God, my God, why have you forsaken us? I think it's important for us to, and I promise we're going somewhere, but I need to establish this and I'll go ahead and establish this right here. Every single one of us in here, we were put on this earth to endure. This is the part that isn't popular in today's culture, but it's the part that I feel like we have to... I'm thankful we're in a church and in the house. We get this teaching all the time. But let me remind you that you didn't come to Christ and you didn't come and become a Christian so that your life from this point forward would just be A-OK -okay and perfect. If that is the case and that's what you've come to, to live for the Lord for, you're going to live a disappointed life. I need you to, and again, not to be depressing, not to, to put a wet blanket or to rain on your parade, as the cliche would say. But I think a lot of times we, we, we feel that, that we're in this thing and we all the time come to the Lord for deliverance. Deliver me from this thing I'm in. 
But the truth of the matter is if you've been saved for any amount of time and you've been this thing, you will admit and you'll understand that there's going to be a constant tension that you're having to battle on the inside of you. Please don't mishear me and go out of here and say, PB, preach this. An addiction is not the tension that the Lord intended for you to have. Be free in Jesus' name. The Lord didn't mean for you to be bound up in some sort of spiritual stuff. Be free in Jesus' name. But understand, sometimes when we're just things are, when life is hard and we come to the altar and pray, Lord, deliver me, God may be saying, No, I'm not going to deliver you. I designed that to make you who you're supposed to be. And so David is going through a moment. He's going through a hard time right here. He's praying, my God, you forsa- why are you so far from helping me? Why are you not hearing my groanings? It goes a little farther in verse 2. He's continuing, oh my God, I cry in the daytime. We're not just talking about, you know, you ever get in those moments? Again, you don't have to raise your hand. But you, just, you ever get in those moments, you just lay down at bed and before you go to sleep, it just all hits you. Everything just hit. You've been holding up all day, but it just seems like in that moment, it all hits you. And it's dark, so I'm not afraid to cry. It just starts coming out. Just all the, all the struggle, all of the pressure, all the things that I'm having to deal with, it just all begins to pour out in those moments. I'm crying in the... He's not even waiting till then. He's crying in the daytime. He says, God, I'm waking up saying, I don't know what to do. I'm crying here in the daytime, but you're not hearing. You're not listening to me. In the night season, I'm doing the same, and I'm not silent. But, in verse 3, this is where I want to go. The problem we have in our life is we live in verses 1 and 2, which are absolutely true. We're all going to face heartache. We're all going to face turmoil. We're all going to face pain. But we can never get to this part. We can never get to the conjunction. But, however, you are... Wow. You are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Verse 4, our fathers trusted in you, and you delivered them. Verse 5, they cried to you, and they were delivered. They trusted in you, and they what? Were not ashamed. You see, every single one of us are going to go through a season of darkness, okay? And, and when I say darkness, don't again, don't misinterpret me and think I'm saying anything. I'm not saying everybody in here is going to go live a life of sin. I'm not talking darkness in that sense. Does that make sense? I'm not saying you're all going to live here and go through, uh, and I'm not prophesying negativity. Some people get spiritual and say, oh, quit prophesying that. That's not what I'm saying. We're all going to go through a season, though, in our lives where it feels like things are dark. If you, you live in this thing long enough, there are going to be moments where it feels like the Lord is silent and you wonder where He is. We're going to go through moments where, where pressures are going to come and we face some of the life's uh, turmoil just because this is in a sinful world and it's imperfect. And because of that, we're going to have loved ones who die. We're going to have to face death. We're going to have to go through illness because, uh, or people who deal with illness because, again, we're in imperfect bodies. Does this make sense? We have to work and interact with imperfect people. So we're going to have conflict and we're going to have to deal with anger and people are going to hurt our feelings and people aren't going to do things the way we think they ought to do them. And all these things are going to begin to pile up. But the beauty of it is, is the darkness and the pain does not have to define you. The situation does not have to define your reaction. David said, everything is dark and everything seems hopeless. Nevertheless, I'm not feeling a glory streak while I'm running around the room. I haven't laid in the floor in the spirit for hours. Again, that's great when you have those moments. David said, I'm not, I don't even know if you're there. But nevertheless, regardless of what happens to me in my situation, I can still stand here and proclaim that you, oh God, are holy. 
And there's nothing that I'm facing or happening to me that changes that fact. Holy. Think about that word. Again, I deal with words. I like to look at what words mean. You realize holy, we can try to come up with a definition, but if we're really honest, none of us in here in this room can really even fathom what that word means. And it's crazy because we're commanded to live a holy life. Amen? Yet we know it's impossible in our own strength because we can't even define what holy is. Holy is simply an adjective that can only relate to God because He's the only being in our universe that is naturally holy. Therefore, if we're going to become holy, we can only become holy through His power, through the blood that Jesus shed on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our life. Is this okay? We're, we, we cannot fully comprehend the Word. It's simply an attribute of God. We can call Him holy, and that's why we were created. We can, we can become holy as we get close to Him and allow Him to operate in our lives and allow Him to purify us and clean us up. We're made holy in that moment. But other than that, we don't fathom it. But it's wonderful that in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of your biggest crises, all you have to do is lift up your eyes and open up your mouth and proclaim that He is holy. Amen? And notice what it says. This is the next part. We talk about this a lot, but it's good to talk about it again. You are wholly enthroned in the praises of your people. Enthroned. Now, don't get me wrong. I think sometimes we, I've heard it said this way. I don't want to get anybody mad. We're not saying the Lord leaves the throne of glory and literally brings His being down here. Everyone would be dead, right? But the Holy Spirit on earth, God's presence, shows up where people will praise Him. When people begin to open our mouths and, and proclaim who He is, that's when the mighty Creator will sit down in the room with us. That word inhabit, that's literally what it means. Several words, if you go back to the Greek and look at it, it means inhabit, which means dwell, which means live in. That's why we invite people to come down here during worship. I mean, we're glad we worship all over the room. Do you know that when we're singing, we're not just singing songs and you're not just feeling emotion. Do you realize that's the very presence of God that is coming into this place and He is resting here? And that's why we believe that if you step out and you come and you meet Him, things will happen in your life because He's here. Do you realize that? It's good stuff. Do you realize it's not just when we're in here? Do you realize that this place has been saturated and soaked with praise and worship? That's why uh, we're, I know people, uh, I know what they mean when they say, well, the church isn't in the four walls. we got to get out. And I understand all that cliche. But do not allow that to denigrate what the importance of this place is. Is that okay? It is important for us to have a place where we come together and we worship God and He inhabits and He meets with us. Another word... That Greek word inhabit means Mary. Mary. Do you realize the presence of God literally wants to come down and be in covenant with you? That the presence of God wants a relationship with you that each and every day you're able to communicate with Him, that you can feel Him, that you can move and walk with Him. He can be everywhere you go. Again, we could go further. He didn't mean for this to be a dating relationship where you went out a couple times a week and came to church and felt God and everything else was okay. You'll see Him next week. This was meant to be a covenant, a commitment. Is this okay? That's what the presence of God is. Notice what He says in verse 4. Back to verse 4. Our fathers trusted in you. You see, 
What happens is David begins to praise the Lord. He begins to exalt the Lord. He begins to say, O Lord, you are holy. O Lord, there is none like you. O Lord, even in the midst of my circumstance, you're still God. Nothing changed in your lane. Nothing changed your plan. Nothing changed where you are. You are the constant. Amen? When my life seems like it's in shambles and nothing is stable. O Lord, you are the stability in my life. You are the constant that I can always turn to. And as he begins to speak and proclaim the Lord, something happens. Not only is praise happening, but trust is beginning to build. David is establishing a process. Praise leads to trust. So they trusted, and then what happened? They were delivered. Praise, trust, deliverance. Praise, trust, deliverance. When you praise in spite of how bad and dark it is, it's a sign to the heavens that you trust God. You know, we could do the old cliche of the trust fall. If I stood right here backwards and, and, and somebody came up here and I said, you know, do I, if I trusted you, I'd just fall backwards and you'd catch me, right? I love you all. I don't know if I trust anybody. That's why I'm not doing it, okay? But... Pray for me, the Lord will move in my life in that area. But, <laughs> but if I did, you know, it's one thing for me to say I trust you, but if I really meant it, then I would be willing to follow through. Does that make sense? It's easy for us to say, oh God, I trust that you're going to take care of this. And we can say it with our mouth, but a lot of times we say that we trust the Lord, but our actions didn't follow through with it. We say, God, I trust that you're going to take care of this. In the meantime, I'm over here trying to still handle it and figure it out on my own. Y'all may not have been there. That's, that's, that's the Lord, if there's anything that he has continued to try to burn out of my life is that aspect. Because I'm a logical person. I'm just being honest. My personality, I like to figure it out. I like to know how things are going to work. I like to know how God, I like to tell God how he's going to do something. And you can already tell that's not a great idea, is it? Because I'm usually the one left thinking, well, I guess I didn't see that one. The Lord says, no, just trust me. And he puts me in situations and in seasons where uh, it doesn't make sense for what I'm going through. It doesn't make sense that I'm still dealing with it. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I talk to him all the time. It doesn't make sense. But God says, it's because you haven't let go. If you'll let go and trust me, I'll show you how it will make sense. I told you, simple message. This is okay. When you praise, no matter how bad and dark it is, it is a sign to the heavens that you trust God. Listen, even if you can't touch Him, even if it feels like you reach your hands out, you spend all that time, it doesn't feel like you've gotten a second closer. Guess what? You continue to praise and reach for Him. Amen? You say, I, don't, I've, I come and I've said, I, just, I can't feel you, Lord. I don't feel anything. I don't. It's okay. God, sometimes He'll withhold Himself to see if you still trust Him beyond your little feelings. Sometimes he wants to know just how committed are you. God, and listen, I've been in these seasons. There's nothing to me worse than when I go through a season where I can't hear God's voice. And I know some of you may come to me and say, well, I hear him all the time. And I get that. But sometimes I believe there are seasons where, where God will withholds his voice and just says, are you willing to keep walking until you hear me speak? It's hard. I'm thinking, God, I've done something wrong. And we think that everything, and God's like, no, you just continue doing what you're supposed to. Are you willing to praise and trust that he will speak again? 
You may not even see him working. You may, you may not even see a way that he can work. You're not hearing his voice. You're not feeling him. But you continue to say, no matter what, God, you are holy. God is then moved when he sees our trust. Listen, when we put our, you know, our proverbial money where our mouth is, when we're willing to put some commitment by the, but behind the things that we're saying, guess what happens? It moves God's hand. It's natural. We've been there before too. We use that kind of terminology. We sometimes want to wait and see what, what somebody does. And if we can then trust them and we see their word, then we're willing to back them. Listen, I, I have this conversation with students all the time. I go into a classroom and the first few weeks, you know, the students are a little bit kind of, especially now that I'm, I'm dealing with college kids, they're adults. They really, you know, they're like, whatever, I'll leave. You know, that's kind of their deal. So the first time, it's like a feeling out process. We don't go in the first day and have deep, good conversations. They're not always sitting there ready for you to pour into their life with some wisdom beyond what you're saying. They're just like, give me my homework so I can go do it and go to work or go do what I need to do. Does this make sense? But over time, they're going to fill you out. If they don't think that they're for you, they're not going to open themselves up to you to ever have a conversation, to even ask how you're doing, to even get beyond just a, a general circumstance. But once you have proven that you're willing to listen to them, once you're willing and I show them that I'm, I'm, I'm able to do what I say I do, on the first day I tell them all, you can come to me anytime and I'll be glad to talk to you. And that's probably, they think it's teacher speak. But the first time they have a problem and they come into my office and I'm able to share with them and I'm able to help them, guess what happens then? Now they say, okay, I can trust. You said what you would, would do. I'm going to do my work for you. I'm going to do everything I need to do. I'm going to give you what you need in class. Does this make sense? It's the same way with the master. It's easy for us all to say, God, I trust you and I'm going to give you glory. But once we do it, even in the midst of chaos, God says, okay, that person means it. That's someone I can trust with my deliverance. That's someone I can trust with my glory. And my hand can then move on behalf of their lives. God's moved when we trust in Him. And then He moves to deliver us. But again, don't... I'll say this again, not trying to be too negative. But Jesus said it in John 16. You can go read that chapter. I'm not for the sake of time going to go through it. But John 16 is a powerful chapter, one of my favorites. Jesus is basically giving kind of a, a what I'd call a pep talk, kind of a halftime speech to his disciples because he's getting ready to, to go and be crucified. We're very close to him going to the end of his life. The disciples are now about to have to go and they're going to have to live out this thing. And, and, and Jesus is trying to get them ready. And man, he's giving them some exciting stuff. Hey, guess what, guys? I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Man, we can preach right there. I'm going to send you the power that you need. And that's great. But at the very end of the chapter, the very last thing he says, after he gave them all that exciting stuff, he says, oh, by the way, you're going to go through various tribulations. It wasn't a you may. What did he say? You will go through diverse tribulations. So again, I need you to leave this place knowing this. Not in a negative way, but understand. If you came to Christ looking for the, for the easy button for life, this isn't it. It'll cost you something. But you'll gain everything you could ever want. Of all these promises. And I think this is interesting too. Again, not trying to be funny or sarcastic, but just the way I look at the world. Is this okay? 
of all the hundreds of promises in the Bible, man, I could have a stand up all over this room and we'd start quoting the promises of God. Man, I'm not the, I'm going to be the head and not the tail. I'm ahead and not behind. The Lord promised if I raise my kids they're in the right way, they're not. And I'm, we thank God and claim all those promises. When's the last time someone claimed the promise of tribulation? <laughs> No, we don't like, whoa, 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 we'll, we'll give that one back. Look, we all claim that we like the promises that says, oh, you'll get a promotion this week. Hallelujah. We like the promise that the God's going to give back a hundredfold based on what you put on the offering plate or whatever your promise is that you like to hold on to. But we don't ever claim tribulations. But Again, as I said, God always allows us to go through things so that we can become who He needs us to be. Tribulations and trials and heartaches are what develop our character. And so what we have to do is we have to get the attitude where we don't view tribulations as something the Lord has to deliver us out of. We have to pray for the Lord to use it to make us who He wants us to be. Does this make sense? I'll give you a quick example. Just just in the New Testament, a common story. Jesus on the ship. We again another story we love to tell. We love to preach. We love to, I've preached it all, all the different ways. And and here's the way that it goes most of the time when we preach. Jesus was in the boat and, and he was taking a nap and all the people, all, all the disciples were on the boat and a storm comes and the boat is is rocking and it's gonna sink and the disciples get scared. Amen. Y'all 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 know that? And they go to Jesus and they know that Jesus, he's the answer and Jesus comes out on the boat and Jesus, after kind of looking at them weird and kind of scolding them a little bit, asking about where their faith is, we know Jesus is the authority that speaks to that storm and says, Peace, be still! And the storm ceases. Wow, that's powerful. How many of you, let's, let's praise God. How many of you are glad we serve a God who has everything is under His control? Amen? How many of you are thankful we can speak to the storms in our life and the Lord has the ability and the authority to move in our life and they can come under subjection? Amen? That's great. And we all want to operate in the power of Jesus that says, I'm going to speak to this thing and it's got to go. And there, there is power in that. But we don't talk nearly enough about the power of Jesus that allowed him to take a nap while all that was going on. Let me put it to you this way, because it got real quiet. See, I knew it would. Sometimes the Lord puts storms in our life so he can show us his power to calm them. And then there's going to be times in your life where the storms come, and God isn't interested in calming that storm. He's trying to calm you. I want to live in the anointing where I don't, I love to be able to go in and speak to the storm and speak to the chaos and it automatically come into subjection. That's power and I want to walk in that too. Please don't misread me. But I equally praise God that I can walk into a chaotic situation and that situation may not change at all, but I'm not losing my mind. I'm not going crazy. I'm able to stay calm and be who God called me to be even in the midst of chaos. And I can walk into those situations and be an example of God's glory and a testament of praise even if I'm in a situation around me that's crazy. So some of you, I would ask for you to ask God to seek the Lord. Maybe you've been praying, God, calm this, calm this, calm this. And maybe the Lord's just waiting to calm you down. Is this okay? The beauty of it is either way, it's, no, it's a miracle either way. 
We think the only miracle is when the storm immediately ceases. No, the miracle can be even if the storm is raging. If you still have your peace inside of you and you're able to say, Lord, you're still holy. If I'm able to still give God glory in that situation and I have a peace on the inside, it's still the miraculous calming power of our Savior. Understand that that peace that passes understanding. God has a way of making great storms die down, but He can also make troubled people lie down. He has a way of letting you know that everything is all right. So understand when we praise, there will be a manifestation of God's presence. He will manifest Himself when we praise Him. Can I tell you something? Let me go a little further. And again, I want to be careful. I know that there's, there are people who deal with issues. I know some of them are spiritual. Some of them are just mental. And there are a lot of things that go on in our life. But let me make sure you understand. A lot of times, the cure to the things that we call issues today, loneliness and depression and anxiety and, and feeling like nobody cares and a lot of the identity crisis that we're dealing with, the answer is simply praising God. You see, when I feel alone, I'm not telling you there aren't moments where we feel alone. There are moments where I feel like, man, God, there isn't anyone who understands. There isn't anyone who cares. There's no one who, who could, who's ever really even seen this, I don't believe. I feel like I'm in a unique situation. And the Lord says, oh yeah, but you are holy. And when I get into those moments, I say, but nevertheless, God, you're holy. You know what? His spirit, it invades the room. And you may think I'm being corny or cheesy or just speaking real preachery right here, if that's even a word. But I'm here to tell you, when you start to praise the Lord and His Spirit comes in, I begin to forget that there may not be anybody else in the room. It's me and the Lord, and that's all I need. I begin to, to, to forget about the fact that, oh, I'm afraid. God, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't know if I'm going to fail. I don't know if uh, I, all the anxieties of the world or my family going to be taken care of. Am I going to succeed? I forget about all that because I begin to praise God and His presence in, invades the room. And all of a sudden, I forget about all that because my trust has been built. Is this okay? Begin to open your mouth and praise God and you'll be surprised what you see Him cure. All you have to do is praise out of your pain and your guiltiness and the Lord will manifest Himself in your life. Quit allowing the enemy to get into your mind and, and confuse you and tell you you're not worthy. None of us are worthy in the flesh. That's the beauty of it. That's why we praise the one who is. Think about this. He will show you how He hears and how He responds to the cries of the people. And when you get into the presence of God, I think this is always interesting. <laughs> when you get into the presence of God and it begins to flow, there's something that happens. Emotions begin to come out. And listen, I'm one of these who've said this before, so I know I'm, I'm but, but, but the Lord has dealt with me and we, but you know, there's some of us that we get into worship and you're like, man, some of those people are just, they take it a little far. None of you in here have ever said that, but you know, I'm sure there's some, maybe you've thought it. You know, I don't take it that far, and they don't, but there's that, well, that's a little too much. We all create these, you know. Some of you, it may have started with the very first thing, when I lifted my hands for the first time. You know, I was taught that you weren't supposed to do that, or we didn't do that where I came from, so I lifted my hands, and that was a big deal. That was awesome. And then it got to where you, you kind of did a little swaying. You know, you know what they say about dancing, just a sway, just a sway. 
or some of you, you got to that moment where it really, you, you, you stepped out of the aisle with hand raised. And some of you, you know, there's some people who like to shout loud, and I love it. And believe it or not, there's times where people get excited and they run around. Some of you, I just lost you there. But I mean, you know, and we start to think it's, it's created in that. And I get it. I'm the very first one who believes what the Scripture says. Everything should be done in decency and in order. I believe that everything should be done in a way that's glorifying God. I believe that there are some things that have been called praise that have really just been trying to glorify a person. I believe all of that, and so I've already been there. Nevertheless, we can't use the excuses of what other people do to say, well, I can't get emotional. I'm here to tell you, through the Bible, praise is emotional. I'll even go farther. Praise requires activity. It requires action. Praise praise and prayer are two different things. Again, try not to get in the weeds and teach too much here, but you realize, you know, a lot of people are on praising and they're bowing their heads. And that's great. But that wasn't praise. That was praying. Praise was activity. There was noise involved. There was energy involved. There was action involved. And when you get into the presence of God and you start thinking about what He's done in your life, I'm here to tell you, if He's done something for you, you keep thinking about that over and over again and something begins to happen and you start to get excited. I don't know about you, but when I think about where would I be without the Lord right now? When I think about the little boy who, 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 or the boy when I first got up in class to try to give a speech, literally, my hands would shake like this when I looked at a note card. Where would I be if the Lord didn't reach down and touch me and say that I could do what He called me to do right now? Where would I be if I didn't allow the Lord to save me from the life of sin that I was in that would have destroyed me and kept me from even it being the father that I am today? Where would I be if I would have refused to step out into the things He's asked me and called me to do? I would not be where I am today, so for that reason, I can't help but get loud. It may be uncomfortable for you, I'm sorry, they'll turn me down, but I can't help but get loud and expressive and excited when I think about what he's done. That's praise. And when I praise him in that manner, guess what? That's when he shows up. Get in the presence of God. Think about what he's done. You can't help but get animated and excited had it not been for the Lord, where would you be? Think about that in that in this moment. He inhabits the praises of His people. He lives there. In verse 4 again. Go back to verse 4. Let's look at that one more time. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and they delivered. you delivered them. I want you to think about what praise also is. Praise is a legacy. Y'all understand what I mean? Praise is a legacy. I praise not just because what I've seen the Lord do in me, but I'm so thankful that I have a mother and a father who were praising mothers and fathers. My mother and father, I mean, we, li- we lived as, as pastors and, you know, we, we kind of skimped by. It wasn't anything great. It was, I mean, I didn't go hungry, but it wasn't anything great. And, But you know what? There were moments, there were times when things got hard, but guess what? We praised the Lord, and guess what? The Lord came through. Anytime there was any kind of struggle, any kind of hardship, there were times when it was through the church, there were were problems and situations. We didn't know what to do. We turned to the Lord. 
And because even in the midst of times where it could have been hard, they could have gave up, they could have went in, they did not, guess what? I've learned that now, no matter what I face, I can continue to praise God and get through that. Where did that legacy come down to them? Well, I had two praying grandmothers and two praying grandfathers. That any time I went to their house and I spent the night and I stayed on their couch at seven years old and I wanted to wake up and watch the Flintstones, as soon as I woke up and opened my eyes, I could hear them sitting with their coffee at their table. Oh, Father God, we thank you for your goodness. We praise you for taking care of us. I'm like, y'all, how are they taking care of you? Y'all barely have anything in here. It's hot in here. They said, but oh no, Lord, you're still good. You're still holy. You kept us through the night. And guess what? Now I know that's my way through. So what do I want? I want my sons to hear and see me. I want them to know that when things get hard, we don't get down, we don't get out, we don't cry and moan and and get depressed. We thank God. We praise God. We tell Him who He is and we proclaim His goodness in the land of the living. Amen? The same goes for here. You may have thought this was a routine. Again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I wouldn't do that. But just some of you looking around, you got up and you think, well, 8 o'clock service, maybe even 8 o'clock service. You just thought we're just here because this is what we do on Sunday. It'll be another Sunday. We'll get through it. We'll move on. Do you realize there's nothing ordinary when the presence of God invades the room? Every single Sunday when we get into this place and we begin to open our mouth, and listen, this may be, a, I, I want to bust something right here. You may think I'm out of order, and if I am, there's people that will correct me, and I'll, the Lord will. But let me, let me kind of, we have a tendency. I'm, I'm the same way. Of we, every time we come in here, we kind of judge and compare. Does that make sense? We compare the service. Oh, that was not as good a service as last week. And that service was not as good as the week before. And boy, that worship set just didn't have it. People just didn't. It must not have been good. Can I, can I tell you something that, and listen, I'm, I'm coming from a place where, to be transparent, you know, I'm on the staff where we kind of have conversations if things aren't working. and we've, So I get that. But can I, can I tell you something? That the, the, the Spirit of the Lord never has to move the same way every single week. And just because His manifestation didn't look like the way that you thought it needed to look, please do not ever discredit Him and disrespect Him by saying that He didn't move in the life in this room. And I'll even say this, not saying it, uh, I say it somewhat to be funny, but you may think, well, that sermon wouldn't have got it. That's fine. You may not like Pastor Bradley. That's fine. But anybody who stands on this pool, we're about to have speakers for the next month. I can't wait. But any speaker that stands on this pulpit has been given the word of the Lord. And we need to hear it and we need to apply it to our life. So if I get tempted to sit in here, and I've, I've been there before, the Lord has brought me out of it. If I'm tempted over the next five weeks of October to sit here and say, well, this one was good. I don't know about that one. Then I'm out of the Spirit and I'm missing what the Lord wants me to hear. Is this okay? All right. I got the meddling. Let me move forward. Today wasn't a routine. All things work together for the good of those who love God. There's some people that came in here depressed and defeated today. I don't know who you are. I wish the Lord would give me faces. I don't walk in that kind of anointing. But I know that there's somebody or the Lord wouldn't have impressed this on my heart so much to hear that you came into this place defeated and depressed and you're wondering, I don't know where to turn. Yeah, I love feeling the presence of the Lord and I I come in, I lift my hands and work, but I still just feel like I don't know what to do. I'm here to tell you, I came with the answer. You begin to praise, trust will rise and that trust begins to rise. The Lord will send deliverance into your life. You won't stay in that frame of mind. 
You will be like David. What did David say in, in Psalm 34? He was in this mode in Psalm 22. You skip over the Psalm 34. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall boast in the Lord, and those who are humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I have sought the Lord, and He heard, and He delivered me. Amen. How many of you need to go into your lives this week and begin to proclaim the word of God over that situation? Quit declaring and complaining about the situation. Quit venting about it to everyone who will hear so you can drag them down. You go to the Lord and declare He's good and watch Him move in your life. I'm glad you just did that. That was perfect timing. What'd you just just do? You just clap. Y'all realize we have these hands? A lot of times we think, our, you know, you may be a carpenter. You think your hands were made to go out and, you know, hammer nails. And that's good. I mean, the Lord gives us that gifts. But that's not why he, he, he gave them to us. That was not his primary purpose. I get to play some instruments every now and then. I'm glad I have hands because that would make it difficult if I didn't. But thanks to them, I'm able to use them to make some kind of sound. Sometimes that's all right. I'm thankful for that, but that's not why we were given them. We, these were instruments we were given to praise the Lord. We were made to make noise to the Lord. This is praise to the Lord when He hears us. Is this okay? We think everything we have was meant to ourselves, but they're all instruments to give back to Him. These lungs that we have, breathe in for me real quick. Breathe out. Do it again. Breathe in. Breathe out. Obviously, we need those for oxygen to live. I get all of that. But there's something that happens when we breathe in and then we exhale that air and it goes through our esophagus over some vocal cords and it makes a sound in our mouth that resonates out and we can say, glory to God, you are holy. That projection wasn't made to yell at your kids and your spouse. It was made to glorify the Lord. Understand that praise was meant for noise. Listen, praise isn't supposed to be meditation. It's not supposed to be a form of study. And I need to make sure that's clear too. We're called to meditate. We're called to study. Those are spiritual disciplines that as you grow, you need to have time to study the Word. You need to spend time in silence, just meditating and thinking and allowing the Lord to speak to you. But don't get those confused that we try to incorporate all those things into the time that we're supposed to be praising. Praise was meant to be active. Is this okay? It's meant to use energy. It's meant to make noise. We come into the place like this every single week and that is our, our objective is to praise the Lord. Why do we praise the Lord? We were just talking about it a moment ago. It fills those candles. It gives us the oil that we need that fills us up and helps us burn throughout the week. I want to be, I'll say something else that may be bold and I want you to hear me. And, but the church was not designed for sinners. Let me say that again. Church wasn't designed for the sinners. And here's why I say that. Sometimes it's easy for us to think, well, man, I would just give my all to God and I'd get animated, but man, I might invite. There may be some sinners there who don't know about this. I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Well, understand. If a sinner walks in the door, they need to see praise. If, they, if a sinner walks in the door, they need to understand what we're about. 
We come into church to, to praise and allow His Spirit to fill us up because when we go out there, that's where we're encountering sinners. That's where our lives are designed and meant to evangelize and reach people and bring them to the... Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be controversial or say, I'm just showing you something. So when the enemy comes at you and says, man, I really feel like I need to let loose and allow the Lord to have my praise, don't allow the enemy to get it. Yeah, the enemy to get in your mind and tell you, hey, these sinners may be uncomfortable. If a sinner comes in, we're glad they're in. We hope that the Lord grabs them, takes them, as we've talked about already, and we, we get them to the cross. But this service is designed to edify the body so we can go out and reach them. And I won't tell you what will reach them more than any kind of eloquent track. There's nothing wrong with handing out material. I don't want you to think again I'm trying to be disrespectful, crass. Uh, but, but more than giving them a tract that, you know, is a fake $100 bill that they'll pick up or something like that. And more than giving them, uh, you know, something that with a devil that says turn or burn or anything like that. I mean, those things can be great. Do you know what sinners want to really see? They want to see if somebody really lives what they say they live. They want to see someone who has an attitude of praise that when you're going through chaos at work, you don't join in with the complaining and the moaning and the groaning and the mully grubbing and the, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. They want to see somebody who the Lord can calm and that can be a peace, a symbol of peace right there in the midst of that chaos. And guess what? If you become a beacon of peace and light into that world, people who are sinners who are out in the world, they can't help but see and be drawn to the kingdom of God. Is this Okay. finish up right here go back to 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 first samuel and second samuel the stories of david one of the famous stories of david i'll just summarize for the sake of time if that's okay very very common but you know david was reestablishing himself on the throne and He had to go out and he had to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, back into the kingdom. It had been gone. It had been taken captive. And so where the presence of God was throughout the Old Testament, that's where victory was. You all with me? Presence of God brings victory. And so they went out and they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. And David already, he's been through a lot. He's been through some heartache. He's been through some of those dark times. And even as they're walking on the way, they, they stumble with the Ark of the Covenant. And one of the priests just tried to steady it, so he touched it where he wasn't supposed to touch it. The Lord said, nope, you, <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. And the man falls dead. The Scripture says that David had a fear of the Lord. And I know a lot of times we talk about fear being reverence. I think David had a fear of the Lord at that moment. He just saw the Lord strike someone dead. And so David, he's a, the Scripture says, again, you, David gets a little bit discombobulated a little bit. He, he stops right there. He says, I, I'm, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I, I don't know. We, we can even carry this thing. They put it in the home of Obed-Edom. And they leave it there for three months. And the Bible says that in the three months it's there, Obed-Edom has the most blessed three months he had ever had. Prosperous, grains, all these things coming in. Just the Lord was with him. And David said, I need this blessing. I got to get this back to my house. So David begins to praise. He said, God, I don't know how we're going to do it. We barely made it this far, but I've got to get it. So they walked, and every few steps, they would stop. And it says that David danced before the Lord. And again, not trying to be humorous here, I guess, but I'm not talking the little worship sway that you know we're comfortable with. It said David danced. 
Like, he was getting down to the point where, like, things were coming off and he was looking like he was something serious. It said he even was wearing the linen ephod, but that was it. Everything else had done flown off because he was dancing wildly. And Saul, the previous king's daughter, who David was married to, she, she wanted to be there with David because she wanted the prestige. She wanted the position. Boy, if I had about 30 more minutes. But she was embarrassed. She's like, there's the kid. And she tried to, what we call in our society today, gaslight, I guess. She went to David and said, the king should not be acting this way. Now, let's be real here. She wasn't really as much embarrassed that he was acting that way. She was embarrassed that the way it made her look. Does that make sense? She, she didn't really even love David. They were just together so she could be the princess, so she could get all the parts of the king. Listen, maybe a side note. I said I wouldn't go here, but if you just come to church trying to get blessed kind of on the edges, just so you, by association, you hope some blessings will fall your way, but you're not fully committed, you're not ready to be all in, it's not going to work out well for you in the end. I'll even say it this way, and again, I hope you're, you're here in my heart. I promise you, I, I'm going to say this with humility and love. But you know, there's a lot of blessed people at all seasons. And, and our church, man, we're full of momentum and we're seeing people come. But listen, if you're just coming in the door just to try to get something to rub off, but you're not ready to commit and truly praise the Lord, I'm here to tell you that's not going to work. I'm not telling you to stay home next Sunday. That's not what I said. I'm just saying, think about it. Allow the Lord to, to really you, you do what the Lord is calling you to do. Don't try to attach yourself to something because it's the cool place to be or because there's, there's a group there that you want to be a part of, but you're not ready to go all in. Does this make sense? And David looked at the woman, and again, I'm going to put this in Robin's paraphrase, PB paraphrase, is that all right? He said, woman, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. If you think this was crazy... I can get a lot crazier than this. So if, you, if you're bothered by this, you might as well just go on back and disassociate yourself with me. And it said that her womb was closed. She never was able to be a part of the lineage. She never got to enjoy what it is that she thought that she was going to get to enjoy. Why? Because she was ashamed of the praise. I'm here to tell you. I'm not telling you how to act. I'm not telling you to get all crazy and in the flesh. But I'm telling you, if you're afraid to become emotional and, and you allow that to, to retort the praise that God has on the inside of your heart, you're not fully living the life He's calling you to live. It's going to look different. I can't dance. So if you see me acting like David, something may be wrong. I joke around, I don't think the Lord would be pleased. <laughs> I think even God would look down and say, but whatever it is He's put in your heart, you give it to Him with all you've got. And don't let any person on this earth or any feeling of prestige stop you or embarrass you from doing what God's called you to do. Is this all right? Our position and our prestige doesn't mean a thing when it comes to God. He's the King of kings. Isaiah 61 and 3. God famously spoke through Isaiah to His people. He said, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That means if you come in and you feel heavy and you feel burdened down, that put on as an exchange. It's like when you go home, it's like Mr. Rogers, when he'd walk into his place on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. What would he do every day? 
It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't you be mine? He took off that coat and he hung it up and he grabbed that red sweater vest and he put it on and he zipped it up. Some of y'all act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Mr. Rogers was coming in for a beautiful day for 30 minutes to speak into my life and be my neighbor. So he was putting on that old coat that he wore outside and put on a comfortable coat that was a sweater. Well, guess what? I think of it the same way when I come into the presence of God. I may feel heavy and burdened from all the things I'm dealing with in life, but I can take that off and put it in the closet. And his presence has a, a praise is a nice, warm, fuzzy sweater that I can put on and zip up. Is this okay to anybody? Don't allow your heaviness to continue to leave you in defeat. Because your praise is going to lead to your victory. Will you stand with me? I don't know who I'm talking to. I may be talking to several. There may be one of you. But either way, there's somebody in this place today that you came in and you were just so burdened down. Maybe even the enemy had you all the way driving in the car. The enemy was in your mind telling you, oh, if you can just get through this, you can go take a nap and close yourself off or you can go back isolated or you just get through this and we'll get to another week and maybe something will happen later. I'm here to tell you today is the day of salvation. I'm here to tell you that today is the day that the Lord wants you to move past that dark place and just staring at that dark moment that you're in. He wants to move you into a life of victory and of deliverance. Again, I'm not telling you when I say He's going to deliver you. He may not pick you up and remove you from the full situation and end it for you. But what He will is He'll deliver your soul from being anxious and depressed and bound. And He'll give you a peace that you can't even explain. Your friends will look at you tomorrow and say, Man, I don't know how you're keeping it together. And you say, I don't either, but the Lord, it's the Lord. Here's what I'm going to do this morning. Can we for just a moment, I know this is different, there's just some instrumental music playing, there's nobody leading a song, there's going to be no lyrics on the screen. But if you're here this morning and you truly believe what the Bible says, if you truly believe that the Lord is holy, if you're truly ready to declare His goodness in the land of the living and allow Him to move you into a place of deliverance, it starts right there where you are. All over this place, this is simply what I'm going to ask you to do. Are you willing to praise Him for a little bit? Lift up your hands all across this place. Begin to open up your mouth. Come on, don't wait for, for, for anything from this stage. Come on, can we just take a couple of minutes? I'm not here to work anything up and we're not going to waste just a bunch of time. But will you just begin to open your mouth and proclaim the holiness of God right now in your situation? Father, there's no one else on earth like You. Father, You are good and You're holy. Father, this isn't about me thanking you for all that I have. Father, this is me thanking you for who you are. Father, when I was lost and undone, you saw fit to reach down your hand and lift me up out of the mire. Father, even before any of us were even conceived or thought about, you were willing to send your son to die so we could have freedom. Father, the situations we're in look dark. We don't know where to turn. We don't know what, where to go. We don't know what you're going to do. But all that matters is that you're still good, that you're still God, that you're still holy, that you're still worthy of everything that I have. And Father, because you have shown yourself worthy to us, we trust you. 
That means I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm through trying to figure it out. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep talking about you. I'm going to keep living for you. And in the right time, in the right season, Father, well, I trust that you're going to send deliverance. I trust, God, that you're going to send provision. I trust that those doors of opportunity will open. I trust, God, that the help that you're going to bring into our lives will be brought in. Father, no longer... Am I going to allow situation to dictate my praise? I'm going to praise my way out of my situation. Father, for the remainder of this week, let this song of praise just simply be a start for what you want to do in the lives of your people this week, this month, this year, for the rest of our lives. We're not going back, but Father, we're moving forward. We're going higher. Father, help us to be who you've called us to be in Jesus' name. And everybody in this place say, Amen.